Let's get serious and look at the word tonight. Uh, tonight, you said this morning, I said tonight. We're even now in the middle. Afternoon. Isaiah chapter 9. Well known portion today, but I pray that it's still a blessing. As I was trying to decide which portion of scripture in the book of Isaiah to take sermons from because there's so many. If, if I mentioned to you, where would you go if you wanted to read about the Messiah in the book of Isaiah? What, what portion immediately pops to your mind? Any? I hope there's some. Not gone to sleep already. <laughs> 53. Yes, we, we're going to cover that one. What about, what about another? I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Chapter 6. Chapter 9. Chapter 40. Chapter 42. <laughs> and you say, now where do I start? That gets confusing when you've got too many places to go. It's... Uh, <clears throat> It's like the, the eagle coming into a flock of birds. He doesn't get any because he, he's so distracted by all of them. <laughs> you come into the scripture, you have to narrow it down to one. And this is the one, chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, that we consider this afternoon. One that's probably used at Christmas time. <laughs> because it has the introduction, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with justice and with righteousness from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Wonderful portion of scripture and there's a lot contained in this, the babe of Bethlehem, as we are introduced in verse 6 to the Lord Jesus, is coming again, not as a babe, but as a sovereign Lord. And soon, we live in wonderful times, don't we? We've got so much at our disposal to make life comfortable. We, we live at a focal po point of fulfilment of prophecy. It started already, it's going to happen maybe in our lifetime, good well. And as it was in the days of the apostles, there was many, there were hundreds of verses that focused on that. It's like a, a magnifying glass taking it to a certain period in history and just going right in with all those prophecies concerning his first coming in the Old Testament. The next time there's so much more that's going to happen. And so, as was it Paul said, we should not be ignorant of the times and the seasons. And here we look at the Lord as the all-sufficient sovereign king. The all-sufficient sovereign king, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to come not as a babe, but with, as a king with purpose and with power. I pray that you do know him personally. Because when he does come... For the believers, there'll be no time to change your mind. There'll be no time to, well, I want to believe now. Too late. It'll be too late. And so, this afternoon, we look at, first of all, his person described. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for these wonderful portions of Scripture that we have in your word that reveal yourself, your plan, your purpose, You've not left us in the dark, Lord. You've revealed wonderful truths. And as we look at Scripture and compare Scripture with Scripture, from Old and New Testament, we come up with a wonderful portrait of the Lord Jesus in this portion of Scripture. I pray that we would count him as wonderful, counsellor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, as this verse tells us. That we'd exalt him and that we'd honour him and that we'd live for him every day of our lives, every moment of our waking lives. And Lord, that we would endeavour to share him too with others, that they too may become his children. Bless the word as it goes forward today for your glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> his person described, and we'll take little bits of the verses as we go through them <clears throat> in order as they've been written. First of all, his humanity and humility. Unto us... A child is born. Now, who have children here today? Do you love your children? 
Absolutely. Do anything for your children, wouldn't you? We do. <laughs> grandparents. Any grandparents? Children. What do you do with the children, grandparents? Spoil them. Come on. Spoil them. <laughs> and then give them back after they've had all that sugar and ice cream. <laughs> Say, Mum and Dad, you look after them tonight. <laughs> Great grandparents. There are a few here today. <laughs> Little helpless infants. Ones you can have fun with, ones that come around to our house twice, two days a week, we have them, some of the grandkids around before they go to school. And uh, Jill looks after them most of the time, but I just come up and stir them all up and then go back to the study. <laughs> <laughs> we have all sorts of things we do. <laughs> but they're just innocent, lovable, adorable, but we shouldn't worship them. But this one we can worship. Unto us a child is given, the Lord Jesus Christ. His humanity and his humility. Who would have thought that God would send his son as a baby? I mean, would have any of us conceived that? What would have we done? What did they expect in the day? They would have expected a king to come in power and glory, and wielding the whip and the spear and put everyone in their place, but he come as a baby. That's God working and showing us his willingness to humble himself. As Philippians tells us, you might like to turn there because we're going to re reference it sometimes. In Philippians chapter, chapter 1 and chapter 2. <clears throat> who being, in verse 6 of chapter 2, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, why? Because he was God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Philippians 2, 6 and 7. Made in the likeness of men. It reminds us in the Old Testament of the kinsman redeemer. Ruth and Boaz. He became our kinsman redeemer. In Zechariah 9.9 we read, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation. Lowly, lowly and riding upon an ass. If you were to ride in as king to Jerusalem, what would you ride? A horse. But he rode an ass. I think I have to turn this on. Sorry. Is that better? Yes. Got the nod. So he rode an ass, not a horse. He took upon himself this humility, lowly riding upon an ass. In Hebrews 4 verse 15, we have an high priest who was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Yet without sin. When you get tired, it's easy to get cranky. Am I the only human here? <laughs> it's easy to do that. But he didn't do that at all, though he had a human body. He wept. Remember at Lazarus' tomb, he wept. He was moved. He groaned. He was sorrowful. He was wearied from travelling and from the day. He had no place to lay his head. His humanity. For unto us a child is born. What a wonderful thought that God would do this and identify with us to be born as such. Then the next phrase completely changes. We see, unto us a son is given. His deity, the son of God, his humanity and his deity. Philippians 2, 6 again, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. What does it tell us in the Gospel of John? In chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. <laughs> the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. And when you think of the days of creation, literal 24 hours days to do that in, and to get all 
the detail done and the, whether it be the, the things we see in a microscope as we see it or the, the telescope and see the broad expanse of everything, the size, the enormity of it all. He did that. He, was the, he is, the Lord Jesus is the creator, the all-sufficient sovereign God of the universe. Unto us a son is given. In verse 14 of John 1 we read, And the word, the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When he was speaking to the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they knew what he meant when he spoke about his deity. They knew that he was claiming equality with God, and that really rattled them. That got them mad as a rattlesnake or whatever. They were venomous in their opposition to him because of who he claimed to be. They understood, but it seems the theologians today don't understand. I mean, the liberal theologians and the apostate theologians, they don't understand that he's claiming deity. He is God. He was God. He always has been. The word of God was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. What a wonder to behold. Remember his half-brothers and sisters? They didn't get it either. There's God living among them for all those years and they didn't realise it. Wouldn't you kick yourself when you did realise it? <laughs> and say, why didn't I see that? Have you ever had something like that in, in life? You've, you've gone through and then all of a sudden it dawns on you. How did I miss it? And praise God they turned and understood <laughs> eventually of who the Lord Jesus was God of gods Lord of lords King of kings we see thirdly under his person described we see his humanity his deity and now his authority the government shall be upon his shoulders I'd like to stop there and spend the rest of the time on that one <laughs> the government shall be upon his shoulders turn to Isaiah chapter 22 and verses 22, 22 and 23. <clears throat> As we hear on the news and the media every day, we hear about governments, we hear about wars and rumours of wars. Are the governments able to keep, to keep control as we look around the world today? Have they got it all together? Mr Kerry from the United States is going from one place to another. I don't know where he sleeps. That mustn't be in the same bed much because he's going one place to another place to another place. What, what is he trying to do? Bring peace, stop the, stop the corruption, stop the fighting and other dignitaries from different governments are going around doing the same. But can they bring peace? Will they bring peace? The only way they'll bring a peace is through the sword. <laughs> the Lord Jesus will bring it through his presence through his power, and uh, all things will be brought under control. Here in chapter 22 and verse 22 and 23, we read, And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder, so he shall open and none shall shut, and he shall shut and none shall open, and I'll fasten him like a nail in a sure place, and he shall be for a glorious throne to his father's house. This is quoted in Revelation, referring to the Lord Jesus. In Revelation 3 and verse 7, when he was, uh, John was talking to the Philadelphian church there. In Philippians chapter 2, again we refer to that in verse 9 and 11. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, what? Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. It will happen one day in Praise God and we look forward to that time because right now there are more and more people just dismissing the thought of God. And when it gets to the point like it seems God is, doesn't exist through all their emphasis and their control of the media, the Lord turns up. <laughs> and, and, and what is the reaction in the book of Revelation when the Lord Jesus turns up? And the nations were angry. It's not... Oh, the king's here. Let's bow before him. 
It's as it were they shake their fist. Why are you going to come and take control? Well, you've lost it, fellas. You've lost it for certain. And look around the world. You don't have to look far to find that the authority of the governments, they're losing control of it. It will be a dictatorial government that comes in the future, as the Bible tells us, where you'll receive a mark or you can't buy and sell. The Lord Jesus Christ is the authority. Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Let's go over to the book of Micah, minor prophet Micah. <clears throat> We've been studying through the minor prophets for a couple of years. A chapter at a time, it takes a while to get through them. And we've been just past Micah recently in Micah. And here in chapter, when I find it, you haven't had trouble too? Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, there he is. <laughs> chapter 2, verse 13, we read this. The breaker, well let's start with verse 12. I will surely assembly, assemble Jacob, O Jacob, all of thee. I will get all of Israel together. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together like a sheep, the sheep of Bozrah, like the flock in the midst of their fold. They shall make great noise by reason of the multitude of men. The breaker is come up before them. They have broken up. They have passed through the gate. They are gone out by it. And their king shall pass before them. And the Lord at the head of them. The Lord the breaker. <laughs> I, could, I thought of this for a while. The Lord the breaker, the authority, the one who has the authority. As he comes back after the tribulation, after those seven years, and he's said to be the breaker that gathers his flock together of Israel. What will he break? Well, number one, he'll break the armies of Armageddon that are gathered. Secondly, he'll, he'll break the Mount of Olives in two so there'll be a valley down to the Dead Sea from Jerusalem. And then he'll go down through the Kidron or, or whether, how he gets there. <laughs> and then he'll go up to Jerusalem. And if you've been to Jerusalem, you've been on the Temple Mount, what's one place you'll probably stop and, and think about for a while and look at it? The Eastern Gate. It's all blocked up. Because the king's going to come through it one day. <laughs> and he'll break through that gate. And then he'll probably bust up the old tri the tribulation temple. He'll break that down. You know, that there has to be some breaking before making. <laughs> A demolition as the Lord comes to break with authority. And nobody will be able to stop him. This is the king. This is our savior. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thought that he has authority. Can you hear, I don't know if Mr. Putin will still be around, we don't know with the time when it's going to happen, but if he was, he was still over there in Russia, I think he'd be already decimated, but <laughs> according to scripture, what would he say? What would uh, the President Prime Minister of Iran say? What, what about Turkey? <laughs> I think of these people with authority that think they're somebody. The Lord comes. And he lays down the law. He is the authority. Total authority. He will establish a benevolent dictatorship. It reads in the scripture in the book of, I think it's Micah 4, 4, there that every man will be under his own fig tree. He, it also reads in the book of Micah, as well as over in the book of Revelation, he will rule with a rod of iron. He has authority. But if every man's under his own fig tree, like that's your plot of land, that's your spot. So for those people that like a little spot one day, maybe we'll get it. It depends on your interpretation of a lot of things. But private ownership, but a perfect dictatorship. The Lord will say, this is what goes and this is what doesn't go. And if, you, if it... Uh, you don't obey, turn the tap off. The rain stops. And you will obey. Looking forward to that time because you see, he can do that. No man can do that. Power corrupts, but absolute power corrupts. 
Absolutely, it's been said for a human, but not for God, not for the Lord Jesus. The government shall be upon his shoulders. And there's no one more worthy to have the government than the Lord Jesus. This has been the Lord's plan from the beginning of creation that he'd be king over man. It's been put off, it's been thwarted, but God has not finished. He patiently waits for his son to be in authority. Um, <clears throat> in John 19, verse 10 and 11, there Pilate said, you know, I have authority to kill you. Aren't you going to answer me? Talk to me. And the Lord Jesus just patiently turned to him, you have no authority but what is given to you of my father. Mm. <laughs> and you know, Pilate quickly changed his mind in the next verse. <laughs> he was fearful then. He started thinking about this. No one had ever sp spoken to him with such calmness in such a dire situation, but with such authority to make you obey. <laughs> That's the Lord Jesus, his authority. We go to verse, back into the Isaiah passage, chapter 9, verse 6. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so we see here the, in these words his dignity in the last part of verse 6. Wonderful. We sing songs, wonderful, wonderful. I don't sing, so I'll just say, wonderful, wonderful Jesus. Unless I'm in a choir, I'll join in. <laughs> we had one choir director try to make me sing a solo part. <laughs> and he did it once, so I got the point. Don't want me to sing again. <laughs> but wonderful, wonderful Jesus. Do you count him as wonderful for what he's done? Who could have planned what he's, he's planned and done what he's done in this world? And for you and I, and for our salvation. Counselor. Counselor. People go to the broken systems of this world, according to Jeremiah 2 and verse 13, and they get nothing. They get hollow advice. We had one um, young lady training to do a master's in psychology. That's a, that's a pretty big one in this world. And I gave her a book, Why Christians Can't Trust Psychology. She read it, so that, was, that was good. And I hope she's practising it. <laughs> she, could, she, she did get it, and now she's a lecture, lecturer in the, in the Monash University. But <clears throat> here is the counsellor of all counsellors. Here is the one that knows us inside out and upside down. He knows what we think, how we react. He created us. You know, if man makes a machine, the man that makes that knows how it functions, know how, knows how it works. God made us, and he knows how we tick. He knows how we think. He knows how we react, individually as well. He is the counsellor. Go to him for your counselling. Colossians 2 and verse 3 reads, In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He is the mighty God. Colossians 1 verse 16 and 17. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. All things Hold, to, uh, hold together. And as we say, the evolutionists have got it all backwards. They say which started with a, well, they might be digressing from it, with a big bang. God says it's all going to end in a big bang. Read Second Peter chapter 3. And there you'll get the point. It's all going to, the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. Is that a big bang? It is. That's the big bang. But they've got it at the wrong end of uh, the world. That's at the latter end, when these elements shall melt with fervent heat. He is the mighty God, the creator that holds all things together, the one worthy to be the king, to be exalted as such. The everlasting father. He has and always will be the alpha and omega. Revelation 1.8. I am the alpha and omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord. In chapter 1, verse 11, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And John turned to see the voice that spoke with him, and being turned, he saw who? The Lord Jesus in all his glory. A good thought for you to go home and consider is, 
when mortal man meets the mighty God. You can start with Isaiah chapter 6. You can go to um, Revelation chapter 1. And, 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 and think of this. John, the apostle, was the, probably the closest apostle to the Lord Jesus. He leaned on his breast. When Peter wanted to know something personal, he said, John, you ask him. <laughs> and John asked him. But when the Lord Jesus was glorified and John saw him as he turned to see the voice that spoke with him, he fell at his feet as dead. He knew the Lord Jesus. He knew him well. But that's the reaction. You know, don't think we're going to front up there and be bold and brash before the Lord. No. We see examples of men like Isaiah, like, like John and like others I have a whole sermon full of them that from the scriptures that met God in his glory. Paul Peter, Peter, James and John when they saw the Lord glorified. What did, what, what did Peter do? As he always did. <laughs> he, I, forgive me Peter when we get there. But that's what he did and he'll admit that. That he was right out there with words and he was speaking and the things... That, Let's build a three booths here. No. The everlasting father, he has always and will be the Alpha and Omega. Let's honour him and give him his rightful place in our lives. He is the Prince of Peace, it tells us in verse 6 of Isaiah. This is speaking all of his dignity. Man always talks about peace, but never has it as the Lord will give it one day to us. Luke 2.14 Glory to God in the highest, and on earth what? Peace and goodwill toward men when the Messiah come. came. John 14.27 Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Though the world be consumed, though the world be falling apart, for the Christian there is the peace in knowing the Lord is in control. You know what's going to, how it's all going to end. You know where you're going. You know you've got a home in heaven. And so we have that wonderful peace of God that passes all understanding that's within our hearts. So his person described the all-sufficient king, his humanity, his humility, his deity, his authority, his dignity. And now in verse 7, we come to the thought of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. The, his purpose divulged. Person described, his purpose divulged here, a glorious the government. In the book of Daniel, we haven't time to turn there and read about it, but Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Daniel interpreted the dream, and the dream was what? A man, a head of gold, and what was the next bit? Silver. Brass, iron, and iron and clay. But they, what I concentrate on is the rock that was hewn out, without hands, and cast at this image of this man and decimated it, and it's like this chaff of the summer threshing floor, dispersed. What does that image represent? Well, Babylon, Medes and Persians and, and so forth. As you go through the empires of the world and the feet, the clay and the iron represents the revived Roman Empire, it's been said. But when the rock strikes it, it smashes it to smithereens. All governments will fall before the Lord Jesus Christ. And the rock filled the whole earth. We will behold, if we are believers, in that day, what real government is. When the Lord Jesus, the rock of ages, the rock upon whom our feet have been set, comes and takes control of the government. And that we know in the, for the millennium, the kingdom. Thy kingdom come. I, <clears throat> I was doing a funeral once and I haven't been big on quoting that prayer that they call the Lord's Prayer. 
And there was a lot of unsafe people, mostly unsafe people. The man was unsafe. The man was in hospital dying, and I went to him, and he was dying of cancer. He had lung cancer, and he was trying to breathe, and he never would have listened. He forbid his children to get baptised, and, and I said to him, do you want to hear about the Lord Jesus? And in defiance, he couldn't talk. He just shook his head, and I said, well, I'm going to tell you. You need to know. But taking the funeral, I, I, I said, <coughs> I quoted part of the Lord's Prayer, and, and I stopped, and they all kept going. Unsafe people. They, they know that bit. But do they know what they're saying? <laughs> Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do they know that what they just said? <laughs> his kingdom come on earth. A wonderful day when it will be so that his kingdom comes. And so the world empires will be broken to smithereens. In the book of Daniel 7 that has the different beasts that are representative of different kingdoms. But the Lord's kingdom will be established. The increase of his government, I say to those who don't believe in the kingdom, in the millennium as we say, <clears throat> what is an increase to government? More authority, more power, bigger kingdom. How can it be so if when the Lord comes that's it and there is no kingdom afterward? It, it's increasing, it's growing, it's people being born. There's the, the size of the population is, what, 7 billion now? What is it going to be like after a 1,000 years of perf perfect reign of the Messiah? The increase of his government. When all the deserts blossom as a rose, when, when you don't have to work as hard, you, you don't have to spray weeds. Who was I talking about with that? Spraying weeds. <laughs> and, the, and the more they spray weeds, the more resistant they become and the more weeds produce. And we're getting to a point on the farms now, if you're down in the riverina there, there's just weeds you don't know about. What's that one? What's this one? And when they start spraying in this paddock and do the, the plough in a drum thing that they say, what it does, eventually increasing the weeds, the, those things that just are persistent. Very hard to get it back to pasture without the weeds. But praise God, that day will come when there will be none of those things. The Lord will switch off their genetics or whatever he does to do it. <laughs> he is in control. He has control of these things. I think very practically and logically when I think of his kingdom coming, a glorious government, of the increase of his government, there will be no end. In the book of Revelation, <clears throat> chapter 19 and verse 16, we read this, And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, and what is it? King of kings and Lord of lords. King of kings and Lord of lords. In the book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 32, the angel Gabriel said to Mary, He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom there shall be no end. And so it's a glorious government. It's permanent peace. As we've mentioned peace in the context already, in verse 7 it's mentioned there, of, yeah, this is in Isaiah chapter, chapter 9, did I say chapter 6 before? Chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, on the increase of his government there shall be no end upon the throne of David to order and establish it with justice and with righteousness from henceforth forever. And so peace will come, perfect peace. Let's turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 57, just over a bit, in verse 19 and 20. <clears throat> there was an amillennialist visited town many years ago when I was only a young pastor. And he visited one of the... He stayed with the person that came to our church. And the uh, person who comes to our church said, I think you'd like to meet this chap. Could you come round and visit and talk with him? And he's one of the fellows from Melbourne that's high up in the church down there. I don't know which part, I, ca I can't remember. But he started, and I didn't start the fight. <laughs> he started the fight about there's no millennium, no kingdom. And you know, they're all geared up, they're all fired up, they're all worded up, they're all thought up, and you come and turn up and then bang on the spot and they're putting you on the spot. And so we went out for about an hour and the 
the host was just sitting there enjoying it, listening to this and listening to that, and back and forth we went with scripture. And the man said by about an hour's time, he said, you know what your uncle would have done? And I didn't know he knew my uncle or my grandfather's brother. He said he, he would have had me by the scruff of the neck outside already <laughs> because I just wouldn't believe he'd try to get it into me that way, but it didn't work because he still didn't believe it. My uncle's passed away long before that. But <clears throat> the Lord is going to establish his kingdom. I, I trust you believe that. You preach that here, don't you? You haven't changed since Bible college. <laughs> I'm looking forward to being part of ruling and reigning with the Lord Jesus in that time. Not that I want authority, but I just want to see how it works properly. <laughs> the world ticks right. All these things gone and he establishes that kingdom. Where were we going? I'm getting distracted. Right, there at 57 and verse 19. I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is afar off. And to him that is near, saith the Lord, and I will heal him. But the wicked are like the troubled sea, when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. But who is there peace to? You and I who have believed. When will there be peace on earth when the Lord Jesus reigns? When he takes up his kingship over this world? When he exercises his authority? There will be permanent peace. Just back in Isaiah chapter 11. And verses 4 through to 9. We read, But with the righteous shall he judge the poor with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked the righteous shall be girdled the girdle of his loins and faithfulness the girdle of his waist the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and the little child shall lead them <laughs> Can you imagine that today? Your child leading a wolf. Um, the wolf dwelling with the lamb. What would happen in that case now? Yeah, he'd dwell with the wolf, but he'd be inside the wolf. <laughs> the leopard shall lie down with the kids. Same goes there. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together. Has this ever happened? Before the fall. <laughs> but not since. Not since sin came. This is going to happen. And for those people that don't believe in it happening, I say you don't believe in the power of God. You don't believe in the ability of God to change things to what they originally were. He's going to get himself the glory by bringing it back to where it was before man sinned and before sin has its effect, had its effect upon the world. The Lord will do it. Wonderful and marvellous are his ways. The cow and the bear shall feed their young ones, shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. And even today they've found a few lions that eat straw. And they survive, if you've been reading creation stuff. <laughs> and the, the sucking child shall play in the, ho <laughs> play in the hole of the snake. <clears throat> the only time I ever played in the hole of a snake is when I put my foot in there and he came out and I went out as fast as he did. <laughs> and we both went in opposite directions but <clears throat> no you don't go playing with snakes although I did you know as a father you want your children to enjoy life so here I was digging a dam it was the start of winter and in the bank, bank of a gully I was digging the dirt quite a bit for making a bank and I, kind of, I dug a snake out a brown snake and he was so slow I thought oh, no worries you know, so I picked him up I put him in the boot of my car, the old Tirana. I'll take him in, inside later and show the kids. <laughs> but the sun came out. <laughs> Snake warmed up. And so I opened the boot at night. Oh, where's the snake? <laughs> I've just ridden home with a live snake in the car. Brown snake. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, that's why you... Oh, no. <laughs> I found him months later. I pulled the car apart. I couldn't find him in there. I, could, I just really didn't want to ride the car with the snake. I'd taken the seat out. And yet, later on that winter, I found him in my shed, parked down under near the bricks, under a bit of alfoil. 
he'd come out of the back seat. He'd been in the back seat and slid, slid, it, slid it under there. So that was the end of the snake. I don't care what the law says. <laughs> snake dies, I live. <laughs> but in the millennium, these things are all changed. What a blessing, what a time to look forward to. You see, he's the king of kings. He is the lord of the universe. He is the all-sufficient sovereign. He made it. He can change it to, br to bring it back to be, being peaceful and to being as it should have been. You, you believe in dinosaurs? You've got to believe in dinosaurs. There's bones everywhere. Have you, have you ever thought of one day seeing them alive again? You say, no, wait a minute. No, no, you're going too far past the... They, they, well, at the end of the tribulation, how many species will be alive? A few cows and a few donkeys or something? A lot of it will be obliterated, will die out. It, it talks about the fishermen fishing by the sea and the sea's all turned to blood. Everything dies in the sea. It tells us in Scripture. But then in the millennium, they're fishing. What are they catching? Fish. Where they come from? You see, God is going... The Lord Jesus is going to bring them back. And can you imagine children riding a dino? T-Rex would be the best, wouldn't it? Or the bigger. The, the Lord's going to do it. But we'll have glorified bodies. We might not have the opportunity <laughs> to do that. But the earthlings will. And ruling and reigning. Is my imagination running wild? Or am I thinking outside the box <laughs> of what it could be like in that time? Help you to think about, meditate on these things. They shall not hurt nor destroy in my, all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day there shall be a root of Jesse who shall stand for an ensign to the people. To him shall the nations seek, and his rest shall be glorious. What a day. What a day the world has to look forward to. But in the meantime and before that, terrible times, we need to repent and believe. So his purpose is divulged there in verse 7 of 9. A glorious government, a permanent peace. And last of all, in the last part of verse 7, his power is displayed in the fulfilment of prophecy. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, <clears throat> he is going to do it. He's made the promise and God is a promise-keeping God. And so he will fulfill prophecy as it has been written. And as we said earlier, hundreds of prophecies at his first coming focused in on that time and were being fulfilled. And uh, has anything happened in your lifetime that you know that is prophetically, it's prophetic in its statement and what it says and has been fulfilled in our lifetime, some of our lifetimes? Is there one major one? You're not going to stick your neck out, are you? <laughs> what about Israel back in the land? That's happened. That's happened. That's Ezekiel happening. Them bones, them bones, them... I'm not going to sing. <laughs> them dry bones that come together. Flesh. It go over there now. There's one in a the motel there. Uh, she was booking us in, you know, in her 30s or young, late 20s. And she said, life is just an illusion, an Israeli lady. Life is just an illusion. And Andrew was with me. We're booking in the Jerusalem hotel there, motel, whatever they call them, and said, oh, that's good. Life is an illusion. We'll just go up to this illusional hotel in an illusional room and we won't pay you any money because it's just all a big illusion. No, no, you can't do that. <laughs> she wanted money. But... <clears throat> Uh, one day the prophecies will be fulfilled it's happening it's going to happen and it may happen real quick I was I, I can't help it but think of the Ezekiel passage in th chapter 38 and the nations that it mentions there and I think of Turkey and I think of Iran and I think of Russia and I think of Libya and Sudan and those nations that are mentioned there in their old form of writing and there talks about Russia and Turkey. And the other day when Turkey shot a Russian plane down, 
or they said they, Turkey, the Turks, the Russians said they did, and then it was, you know, logging heads. We don't want to talk to each other. And within one week, it all turned around when they had the coup in Turkey, and then the West didn't say to the Turkish Prime Minister, oh, poor guy, you know, we, we feel sorry for you, and they shouldn't have done that. Russia did. And then, so what are Russia and Turkey doing? Talking again. <laughs> and you think, well, you know, God can change things in relationships with nations within a week. That they'll bring about and bring to pass the working together of these different groups. But praise God, this is being, it's coming to pass. I'm not saying we are going to see it in our life. I pray that we do. But what an exciting time. His power is displayed fulfilling prophecy. And thousands of prophecies point to the time in the near future when the Lord will come, displaying authority to order it and to establish it. In Romans 14, verse 11 and 12, for it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God, so every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. He is displaying authority to order and establish it. He will do that. For those people that stubbornly resist the gospel, that don't obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, they will be forced in the future. If not in this life they do it, they will be made to do it. They'll be forced to do it in a time to come. And every knee shall bow and every tongue confess to the Lord that he is who he is. Can, can you imagine the embarrassment or the anger of Mr Attenborough as he stands before God? unless he repents in the meantime. Wonderful pictures and beautiful scenery, but always denying the existence of God. That, that is going to be tough for people like that. That's why I think it says in the scripture, Lord, Lord, have we not done this and that? People will say, no, no, it can't be that way. I have believed this all my life. He will display authority and everyone will bow and everyone will confess. In Matthew 25, it speaks about the sheep and the goats that he gathers together as when he comes and sorts them out as sheep and goats, believing and unbelieving people. He administers with equity, with justice and judgment, it says there in Isaiah 9 and verse 7. With justice and judgment. It will be completely righteous. You know, you hear of courts today make all the, the judgment in courts being made and you know it was wrong. You know the person's guilty. You know the fellow's got off the hook. We had a um, clerk of the court in our church in Aubrey. He got saved. And then he became a, what do you call him, after you train up and be a legal fellow and represent people. He uh, at least a barrister, solicitor, something like that. And he said, I'm not going to do public business with public people coming to me. I'm going to go as a prosecutor. He's a prosecutor at Wagga. And he said, I only have to say one word wrong and I lose the case for those that are being prosecuted. One little word out of place. But I, so I reminded him, I said, one day there's going to be a judge. There's going to be no jury, no solicitors and no barristers. And it will be absolute truth. And we must stand before the Lord on the judgment, the beamer seat. As Christians, absolute truth prevails. And in, for those who are not saved, the great white throne judgment, absolute truth. All will be revealed. No slipping of the tongue by one word and getting off the hook. He administers with equity, with justice and righteousness. He endures enduring for eternity from henceforth even forever it reads there in revelation 21 you know god has desired to tabernacle with man he created man and what is the first thing he did i mentioned this the other day he came down in the evening in the cool of the day and fellowship with us <laughs> sin broke that and God has been endeavouring to tabernacle. He wants to tabernacle with us. It tells us in Revelation 21. Let's turn to that. Revelation 21, verse 3 through to 6. From henceforth and forevermore. 
enduring for eternity will be the throne of the Lord Jesus, will be the kingdom that comes. Revelation 21 and verse 3 to 6. <clears throat> I did mention the other day the television asked me to do a thing on Christmas. They said no other one church wants to do it and I did it and had half an hour to get ready, got there. No Bible, no reading it, just looking at the camera. Yeah, it's a scary thing if you haven't done it before. And they're going to put this on the, on the news, at the end of the news. <clears throat> and on the way there, I was thinking, yes, God, his purpose, he wants to dwell among us. That's it. He wants to dwell. He's desired, he's created that he might dwell amongst us. He did it with Adam and Eve. He did it with Israel. He came down and dwelt among them in the temple. He did it when he was born. The Lord Jesus, he come and dwelt amongst us. Now he dwells, he dwells in us. But one day as we read in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 3, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle, the dwelling of, of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and he himself shall be with them, and be their God. And he shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these, are the true, these words are true and faithful. He said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is the thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. When it all... It basically, when it's all said and done, what will the Lord do? He will tabernacle with men. That's what his desire is. He wants to dwell in you today, but he won't force his way in. You obey the gospel and believe by faith as we're exhorted this morning by Brother Zuf. And he comes in and resides and lives. And unless we have the spirit of God, we are none of his. It tells us in the word of God. And so <clears throat> the all-sufficient sovereign the majestic God of the universe willing to dwell with his creatures, wanting to dwell and have fellowship. What a God we have. Who could have figured this out? Paul, in the end of the book of Romans, chapter 8, said, wonderful are his thoughts, wonderful are his doings. Who could have figured this out but God himself? And there's a sure credibility in the last part of that verse. The zeal of the Lord of hosts, what does it say? Will perform it. Guaranteed. The stamp of authority, he will do it. So we might fail, we might falter, but God's plan for his son, the Lord Jesus, will never fail. And his plan for this world will go on.